0: Get 60% off at babble.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hello to all of my friends at IGN. Mamma mia. You guys, you number one. Woohoo!
1: To Nintendo way Share for the week of February twelfth, twenty sixteen. I'm your host, Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining us once again is Pear Schneider. Hey, do you have like in your brain like a section for numbers and then you have to access it? Sometimes yeah. it was loading, you that's can tell. Good. Yeah. And also uh, waiting for his opportunity to speak. Brendan Graver, welcome back. Hi.
2: Good to be back. I hate dates. I don't know how you do it.
1: Yeah? Yeah, yeah I actually that had to stare dates. down. That's that's that what uh date. I, I completely screwed up. But we have a bunch of things to talk about this week. We're going to kick things off first with the, just letting you know really quickly that two big uh, releases you should look into on the eShop this week. Oh, yeah. Oddworld New and Tasty, which is the Oddworld uh, remake. And Kurukuru Kuru Kururin, yeah. which you should talk about. This is a GBA game is also now available on the eShop for Wii U, both for Wii U. Um, and this kururin is especially weird. So talk to people about this. Well,
3: it's uh, if you remember, there was this um, – in Japanese arcades, there was this concept of the irritating electric stick. That's a, a – a, a direct translation of of what the genre was. That's what these they were it. these were arcade machines where you have like the stick, and you, you probably saw it in the U.S. too, in like traveling circuses, whatever, like uh, fairs. You you have the stick, and you're guiding it around a a wire, and you're trying to not touch the wire. It's like you know, it's like the fair version of the Operation game, basically. Right. You know, and so these in Japan, they got more and more complicated. These games so where you had to like you had to like um, you know guide a, a metal stick through a labyrinth mm. without touching the walls. And this game is basically the evolution from that. You have this stick that's spinning, and they actually call it like it's almost like a helicopter or something. <laughs> but it doesn't spin on its own. You control its spin? No, it spins. spins you own. can spin it left or right, but it will spin on its own. But you can speed up your movement. There are three different movement uh, speeds, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And and you need to make it through a labyrinth. And so in the beginning, it's very simple. You just have to carefully avoid hitting walls with a spinning stick. But then the, the corridors get so narrow that you have to time it exactly. If you mm-hmm. can imagine, like, this road rotating blade, right? You have to kind of wedge it in, go around with it, touching the walls. Then they add, like, bumpers and spinners and all these different things, and you have to speed it up in certain areas, and it gets to be just crazy. So
1: it is that sort of, like, uh, one of the things that impresses me about Japanese design is taking a core idea, a game design, is taking
3: a core idea like that and then giving you idea on top
1: of idea on top of idea from that one mechanic. Yep.
3: Yeah, it's all a right. very simple game. It came out on the GBA back in two thousand one. Um, not a lot of the the um, Kurudin games have come come out over this here. There's such were a weird title. Ones.
1: Like, I'm surprised it's, they had the confidence to say. eh. It, it obviously didn't it didn't work because
3: nobody nobody's gonna remember it. Nobody can even say it. Anyone Kururu, Yeah, Kururu, 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 say Everyone, everyone okay, listening to the show is like, what is that? Uh, that game was was pretty clever and and pretty fun. It's it's all about dexterity, you mm-hmm. know, and like and and just being very very careful. And if you have shaky hands, it's not the right kind of game. Okay, fair right.
1: sure yeah. enough. All right, moving on to the next segment. Uh, new thing here on NBC we're calling... Uh, introducing WHOOPS um, So WHOOPS, uh, an acronym In fact, W.H.O.O.P.S What does it stand for? We don't know yet, actually, we want you to oh, write in But last week I had something good for you, though no, you Can don't. I just say that
2: <laughs> I introduced a segment about two weeks ago on Vault so Oh, really? Yeah. Is that what you called it? Yeah, we Operation said a whoops. new segment called WHOOPS It okay. wasn't an acronym, though I did but, not right.
1: watch the show, so I had no idea I promise I did not uh, infringe Seems on it a popular But term. this is a segment where we acknowledge And even correct our mistakes And this week, uh, we're here to correct last week's mistake so many of you kindly wrote in to remind us that bayonetta ryu and cloud cost an additional dollar or additional money because they come with the stage now this is not something nintendo has ever said outright but it is something that is easily inferred in terms of what comes with that content so thank you for that feedback also last week we forgot that twilight princess at least in the u.s is 50 dollars digitally uh with the amiibo it is 60 so that's another whoops for you right there. So yeah, if you if you
3: feel it's too expensive, you don't care about Amiibo, mm-hmm. um, although that Amiibo is cool, um, you can get it for 10, 10 bucks.
1: Yeah, off. ten bucks cheaper. Yep. And lastly, yeah, and that's it. We'll make sure that whoops, whenever there's a mistake, whoops will be there. So don't yeah. you miss that. All right, let's talk now about the question of the week responses for last week. We got a lot of feedback. Thank you so much for writing in. Last week, Brendan, we were talking about Nintendo. NX, and how could NX be the reason Nintendo takes the stage again uh, at E3? Mm -hmm. Um, Fun thing before I read these responses out loud is that Nintendo has, in fact, introduced a platform, or a revision, rather, through a video presentation. New Nintendo 3DS. And it worked fine. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's right.
1: We were watching that video left and right. Yeah. 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 I okay, d- I but just, I d- this just dawned on me recently, I and I was like, "Wait a minute, that happened."
3: Yeah, you're right. That was, but it is a it is a revision, and you know. But it was I, still exciting.
1: I, yeah, we, sure. we, you and I had a video where we, like, Brendan, you remember this. Like yeah. We were raving about it in the yeah. office.
3: Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, That's me right. either. No, for mm-hmm.
1: sure. Regardless, your uh, question of the week responses are acknowledged. So Let's start with Josh T, who writes, with regards to Nintendo 83 E3 and whether or not they will have a stage showing, I think the biggest question should be how much do they have to show? I agree that NX needs stage time to wow us. However, if Nintendo has very little to show off, for NX or otherwise, then a full show in front of a crowd will be a tough sell. And I think Josh makes a good point just because last year at E3, you could make the argument that Nintendo didn't have a ton to show. Yeah. And you could also make the argument that it was still the most charming rapper you've ever seen, but at the end of the day, it was it was an, you know, empty calories to an extent. Like, you know, no Zelda, we talked about it, like Metroid showed poorly. We talked about like Yoshi's again, ending on the 30th. Like those things didn't quite gel in their favor, I feel. Like it it lacked that wow factor. So I think Josh makes a good point in that whatever they decide they need to bring it, you know.
3: Yeah, and I feel like I mean, if you if you are creating a stage show where you mostly talk about yourself and you roll some video footage, you you have to have something compelling that the audience reacts to. And and it cannot be, you know, an update in the Yoshi franchise or even a Pikmin, right? Because mm-hmm. people love mm-hmm. those games, but the the gap between those titles has not been that long, and the upgrade is not going to be that huge that it will elicit this this big reaction. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, showing hardware and showing what it can do that will get a reaction or you know disclosing what the what the kicker is what the purposes of the system so mm-hmm. if they do let out like they have in the past wh- with the japanese press if they do let out details about what NX is first then the E3 presentation has to show software or concepts or something, yeah, right? And, and because otherwise you don't have that wow moment of going like, it can do what? You yeah, know? and presumably
1: that was that's what they'll do, right? Mm-hmm. They'll lead off with something prior to E3 to get everyone all excited and then go into the show with more.
2: Well, you remember with uh, the Wii U, when they showed it off, it was very confusing at first because they wouldn't show off the whole thing at once. So mm-hmm. just like, we just saw like the game pattern, was like, is that the console? Where is, was it the console behind it? Where is mm-hmm. it? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a, a iffy kind of debut. Mm-hmm. I think they need to learn from that and kind of show off like full front, here's software, Here's the hardware, here's everything it is, and here's what it can do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think, uh, uh, you know, I brought up new 3DS at the start, and regardless of how you feel about that platform, they made it very clear what you were getting Mm -hmm. the analog knob, the faster loading, the better uh, 3D experience, even though that's hard to do over video. Mm -hmm. It still Um, looked good when they showed it.
3: Yeah, it still kind of sold you on what it was. So, and I think volume wise, though, I don't think high volume of software is going to be the thing that makes or break a presentation. Because look at at Bethesda, right? Mm -hmm. Bethesda wowed us with a a lot of fallout and and doom and really not that many titles it's not like a sony or microsoft presentation and like mm-hmm. if you show off new hardware and some cool gameplay concepts and maybe you know a smaller game like pikmin and then you close on a 15 minute demo of zelda that's it yeah. You know, like Zelda has that clout and that yeah. that wow factor that will close out a presentation where you want more, you want to see more, but you're really happy you, you yep. saw it. Yep, you want that excitement. Yeah. All
1: right, so then uh, another listener, Luke, wrote in that he wouldn't be surprised if they actually tapped the heads of NOE, Nintendo of Europe, or Nintendo Australia mm-hmm. to unveil this product. Both of the leaders of those two companies specifically are from Japan or are Japanese. And he feels that that would help at least support Paris' point that Kimishima wouldn't have to do it, but rather you'd have someone else in that role. Yeah. Um, now, I, I, I like this idea, but I don't think it would play only because E3 is so laser-focused on U.S. and the North American market. Yeah. Like, you think about it. Every single game announcement, I feel... It's the U.S. release date. It's not about like w- when it's coming out in Europe. It's not about when it's coming out in Japan. In fact, when Nintendo sort of breaks it up and puts finally puts their E3 presentation um, on their YouTube page in Japan, they go and they insert that stuff after the fact. But everyone is, you know, for the most part, it, it is the English-speaking, or it is the North American-focused branch of the company making these announcements.
3: It's interesting, but that's how it's been in the past. I mean, uh, Luke, thanks for writing, writing in with that. <clears throat> but I feel like what he's getting at is that you know Kimishima is not the charismatic lead no, right you have Reggie yeah. mm-hmm. and so I, I think it would be kind of cool to hear from some of the some of the other territories leaders simply because they're voices that are interesting right See? like if you watch some of the if you watch the Australian direct for example mm-hmm. like he's likable in a way that you know Iwata is likable like bringing that Japanese spirit sure.
1: but I but I think that so here's where I push back on that a little so you and I talked about a little about this before we got in the record and you pointed. out Sony kind of did the same thing yeah. where it became less about their former leader and, and some of the other people who we've seen in the past and more about different heads of the company today. Mm-hmm. My problem with that is that I don't know who any of them are. Like I watch PlayStation Experience and I'm like okay who is this guy and why Why should I care? It became more about the announcement to me rather than the person. Now there are exceptions. You have guys like Shuhei who are fantastic. Adam Boyes who has uh, who has his following. Andrew House who has also kind mm-hmm. of built himself up. And but before what Harrison I think, and, and people sure, you sure. know. Sure, sure. But but I feel that if Nintendo decides for Japan to take the lead on this, that it is, in fact, a new face that is going to appear in all territories. Someone who basically fills that role for a while I don't think if it's... If they have one. one yeah, if yeah. they have one. But I don't think it becomes the head of Australia coming over here to show us something unless it's everywhere yeah. it's presented that but, way but you think about
3: Arakawa and like how he became you know the noa lead before like they move people around territories for sure right? oh no definitely and but, so if there were some plans to prep some of these guys but my point is yeah. like you're this saying, is such
1: a north american yeah. focused show when you put that person out there the question is who the heck is that
3: it, it is, but yeah. when you announce a new console,
1: it isn't, though, right? It is, and it isn't. Yeah. I think it's a little of yeah. both, but I'm willing to agree on on that part. But yeah. I don't think – I think they put someone else in that spot rather than tap someone from one of
3: the other I, I think you're probably right. I think they'll focus heavily on, on Reggie. They'll probably have Kimishima come out just so that we are – Aware of him and introduced to him. I mean, they didn't do that with Yamauchi in, at E3, you mm-hmm. know, but, um, you know, they certainly did, did, did that with Iwata. And then they'll have Miyamoto front and center and Aonuma and some of the other guys, right, from yep. the creative side, mm-hmm. Tezuka.
1: So uh, another listener, Gage, wrote in about how he feels, though, like as someone who has owned a lot of Nintendo systems, Wii and Wii U made him feel disconnected from the company and the way they were presented and the fact that for these last two generations, you know, he felt that Nintendo became a little f- too focused on, you know, new controls and what he calls gimmicks. I always feel weird about the word gimmick because I feel like, in one way, it undermines something that's a cool idea, and in other ways, like I, I feel like in some ways it praises it, and in some way it takes away. But regardless, I'm going to keep going. He says he doesn't know what it would take for Nintendo to bring him back to the fold, but he hopes that he can. He wants him to return to. You know, having a great console, a great controller, and simple but effective games that are about fun-to-play mechanics mixed with wonderful adventures. And he hopes that they sort of leave the stuff that pushed him away with Wii U and Wii out of NX. Now, I would say, though, to gauge, the effective games that are fun-to-play and all about mechanics and wonderful adventures, they're still making that. That didn't stop yeah. because they made Wii and Wii U. Mm-hmm. I just would say, as my counter to that argument, like I do agree that Nintendo has to get on stage and show you why these games are cool, but I don't think that they suddenly stopped doing that because they had these motion controlled platforms
3: or a tablet controller that had a screen on it.
1: The games were still good.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, and then the Wii was home to Galaxy, right? Two yes. really good games. Um, and, you know, games like Pikmin and that really didn't hinge upon motion controls. Pikmin, Pikmin benefited so
1: much, though, from pointer controls it, it on did. the lead. It And did. that's,
3: ultimately, I think, you know, you can call some of this stuff gimmicks. Um, I would actually argue that the Rumble Pack, which was much more gimmicky than motion controls or the gamepad, because that was you know, gave you a new sensation, but it didn't fundamentally uh, change the way you play games, right? Ignoring, like, the, the, the Stone of Agony or something in Zelda where it actually became a gameplay element. It was more about, like, feeling the controller, whereas, like, the gamepad... The Wii U is the only game console where you can pull off Mario Maker this way. You yeah, know, mm-hmm. like there are not that many examples, right. but I feel like they're not that gimmicky. And at the same time, we get games that completely ignore um, these ga- these these gameplay elements. Like you know, Galaxy it was basically you could have played that on yeah, the GameCube yeah. or on the Wii U. Right? Well, and you
1: can make the argument like even Splatoon isn't something that mm-hmm. completely fulfills what Wii U can do because putting a map on the touchscreen isn't great, but I think that it works to the way that game is ultimately mm-hmm. built. And also, yeah. motion control's great on that game. Like, we yeah. talked about that as well.
2: Yeah, the, and... actually, the, uh, at first I didn't think it would be possible. I didn't like it, and then I just got used to it, and bam, I love the motion controls. And I think the the using the map to choose where you wanted to jump to, like, mid-battle, that was an easy thing to just look down and do. It mm-hmm. uh, would have been hard and otherwise. And just tap
1: where you wanted to be exactly. Like, yeah. just go, Doop, we're going there this time. And it comes in super handy whenever we play Ranked. Uh, pair just yeah. oh man we got to get to that rainmaker like right now just
3: because we're, <laughs> we're skyping yeah <laughs> 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 go get it yeah, yeah. get it right now
1: <laughs> no jump to me Francisco what are yeah. you doing <laughs> yeah I agree
3: and all those uh, I, and I, I want to be clear clear not every feature requires you know like you could have pulled off Splatoon on the PlayStation Four you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. really you could have done you could you could have had a really really and when good you say game that, you mean would have
1: standardized you, like yeah a, you yeah, would have mapped the, the D
3: pad To the the other three players Mm -hmm. and had a little mini map. Like, there are all these ways of being able to pull it off, but that doesn't change the fact that by having these features, it made it more unique and gave you something special.
1: Yep. All right, next uh, piece of feedback or at least answer that question comes from Matthew in France. Thank you. We got French listeners. Woo! Vive la France.
0: Um, I <laughs> Viva think, la France.
1: That's right. Did, Did I say France? that? Yeah. Uh, I think Nintendo should present uh, the NX on stage, especially, he feels, uh, this is the counter to Gage's point, especially if it's an unconventional console like the Wii was. He remembers the discovery and the excitement he felt when he saw the presentation. Like, it was it was jaw-dropping to him. He was so excited. Uh, I guess this will be the same kind – excuse me. This will be kind of the same with the, just a direct. But to hear the crowd's joy when the Wii was unveiled was priceless to him. It's contagious, and ultimately the crowd is a factor for him.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, you you know my viewpoint on that much. of mm-hmm. i. Yeah. I I love being an audience in an audience and getting very very excited yeah. um, when I see people present stuff on stage. It's weird.
1: There were some emails though from people who are like, ah, it's just you know, uh, and they're not here, but yeah. um, and not not to give a voice to like dissension or anything, but oh, this is uh, just journalists kind of wanting to be in that room. And for someone watching at home, it's not a huge deal. I don't think that's true because I think the other guys. Don't get me wrong. There are some awkward starts and stops to E3 presentations. Let's not pretend those don't exist. But there is also showmanship that comes with that. There's also like the moment that Fumito Aweda stands up and gets a standing ovation because everyone finally saw The Last Guardian,
3: and that's magic. That works really well. It really Mm -hmm. depends on how it's presented at home as well. Because in the past, you know, I've been... Every year when I go to E3, I kind of make a choice like what conferences I go to in person and which ones I watch in our, our you know, World writing room, room. Yeah. or, you know, even even in the hotel if I if I have a meeting somewhere. And, like, it really depends. Some shows translate really well mm-hmm. where, you know, the, cam- the camera perspective is done so well that it feels like you're being there. You hear the audience. There were a lot of conferences broadcast in the past where you could not hear the audience. Yeah. It was very muted and almost mm-hmm. seemed like the kind of <laughs> – Reaction to announcements. And like when you were there, it was a completely different story. I love you know i love some of the fun Nintendo has had with the directs where they're very concise and very quick and there's not this awkward moment where you're waiting for a controller to connect or a demo breaks down and or all there's that, also you know. muppets
1: which were hilarious <laughs> and, in and the last <laughs> digital event
3: and so i think that that it could be uh, it can it can be a combination of that stuff and honestly i mean the 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 industry's obsession with having somebody on stage playing a game live do we really care? No. Like, yeah. When you look, I, I'll take your word for it that somebody <laughs> played it. Don't risk it breaking. Uh, yeah.
2: I just remember the uh, the Rainbow Six Siege uh, demo at the last E3 when they're just like this fake this fake chatter. They're like, "Oh, Charlie, he's on the six. Yeah. Okay, go back me up." It's like this is like this is obviously like fake words being said to try and get us pumped and. I don't think we need these like these these gameplay demos it, that yeah. don't really well the worst ones were like the Kinect ones, remember the Kinect oh, yeah, where just, they had like kids I can see my shoe around, and then you just like, and, like he, he like flies
3: around.
1: Just,
2: and then stuff breaks.
1: And well, that's, that's where, some weird like uh, paint demo too where he got into it. It was almost like an Austin
3: Powers joke. Yeah. Like the way the shadows uh-huh. looked for half a second.
2: The terrible storybook. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: but that's Jesus. And, and that's where like I, I feel like you can you can have you can be two minds of these things. Like a stage show that's pulled off well can be amazing and a direct style presentation presentation that's pre-canned can be amazing and so it's kind of hard to speculate about yeah, it. like it can both things can, can be pulled off but yeah. i do agree that when you're showing new hardware in front of an audience and apple has perfected this you want that applause and that excitement where people are influenced by those around them right mm-hmm. like whereas like when you're watching a- alone at home you're like well okay right but if you have three people next to you like saying like wow this could mean this and this and this it mm-hmm. becomes a different story yeah
1: and i think that excitement is tangible like for anyone who says that well i'm not part of the room like i i don't care what mm-hmm. format i think you're yeah. underestimating just how exciting so, it is. I mean, who can forget when Twilight Princess got
3: shown? Yep. Yeah. And,
1: like, th- it was like the Kool-Aid man, like, burst through the wall. <laughs> yeah. Everyone went insane. So I
3: wanted a live presentation with smartly pre-canned demos of things and not the awkward cool, banter. Cool, cool.
1: All right, our last email uh, that we're going to read. And, again, thank you so much, everyone who sent them in. Sorry if we didn't read yours uh, on the air, but we did read it at least. uh comes from George. Uh, George Taron writes, I think there will be a pre-E3 Direct, which will give us not all, but some details about NX and a note that more will be revealed at E3. That'd be the smart way to do it, right? Yep. Start with that announcement and then boom, drop the bomb at, at, uh, in, in June in front of everyone in L.A. Maybe we get a teaser trailer for a Metro game or something. That's where we get heavy speculation. However, he thinks that, too, Nintendo will deliver a full-stage show at E3. There will be some game demos for press that include uh, whatever games they decide. Sorry, uh, George. You you named specifics, but I I hate when we get into specifics because we just don't know. Yeah. Thank you again, everyone who wrote in. And we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it is our Fire Fire Emblem special. We have so (laughs) much to say about Fire Emblem Fates, and we really want to share what we think of the game with you. Don't miss it. We'll be right back. And welcome back, Jose Otero here with Brendan Graver and Pear Schneider. And it is an exciting time, guys, because this is quite possibly the. Most excited I've been about a Nintendo game in a while. Wow, Feels
2: good
3: to say. Yeah. uh, We talked about this yesterday. You guys just uh, put up a new version of the top 25 3DS games. I feel that it was a little premature. A little premature. (laughs) I think maybe that top five will change a little bit. It it might. It just might. Uh So from this
1: point on, we are going to be talking about Fire Emblem Fates. We are going to keep it spoiler free, at least from a story perspective. However... We are going to talk about missions, we are going to talk about campaigns in light detail. Yep. Stick around because there's a lot to say, like, you... One of the most interesting things about this game, I think, is just that the, multi, the, the multi-angled approach to the story is actually, like, we're not playing the same missions exactly, we're yeah. not doing the same things to some respect. But if you don't want to hear any of that, run away now.
3: Yeah. Uh, no,
1: all respect to you. Like, no you don't story take specifics,
3: and we're not going to give you solutions to anything. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like if you're following the game and you're interested in it, you're pretty safe from a spoiler perspective. Yeah.
1: And if we do spoil something, like, let's make a note of it and just quickly bleep that. <laughs> because We will. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll. So
3: if you hear bleeps, bleep that's what happens. Bleep. Okay.
1: All right. Um, so, yeah. Good so God, playing... this game is good. Yes. Fire Emblem <laughs> Fates. So you're playing, <laughs> let's round table, you're yeah. playing Birthright. Birthright. I'm playing Conquest for the Knorr. I'm playing
2: Conquest as well. That's right.
1: And Conquest is the Master Quest version of
3: this game. Conquest is hard. I I switched my difficulty to hard and turned on Permadeath, right? Permadeath is the traditional way of playing Fire Emblem back in the days before Awakening introduced a feature that's casual, where you know if a if a uh, one of your players gets killed, they come back after the mission. Yep. There's yep. an even easier mode now called
1: Phoenix. Phoenix you get them back beginner. on the next turn. It's
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> just called the, "I Got Bitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> <for>
1: <laughs> I "Ain't dead run. yet." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right, so, so I think we're doing the same thing. So I'm all, I'm playing on uh, I'm not playing on hard. I start on hard and then you got to chapter five and this game decides to kick you square in the balls, <laughs> so <laughs> I just said, well. Oh, you wanna be a tough guy, huh? Yeah, so I went down to normal, but I do have permadeath on and I have played through 20 plus chapters of this game nice. um,
2: so far. Brendan. I'm like around like chapter 13 or 14 right and now. Difficulty. Yes, and difficulty. And I'm on normal, but it's it's one hell of a normal.
1: Yeah, so let me, I've, I've said this on the show before. one hell of a hard too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've said this on the show before, but I love The Awakening, but it's biggest disappointment to me was was that normal was too easy and hard felt too hard. Yeah. And in a game where like you could grind and, and sort of level and work on relationships, I just felt like I wasn't getting the most out of it and I wanted to play on hard but every time that game was like oh you do huh and then I get matumboed like yeah. in the mission because I could, I'd i get wrecked
3: so there's a there's a huge difference
2: between Conquest, Conquest and Birthright
4: on
1: normal is hard yeah. it is a difficult so difficult it's game it's fair
2: but it's really it's hard it's very
1: fair the rules are all very clearly spelled out for you what's going on and what I really appreciate is that there are missions <laughs> built around very specific very unique mechanics Yeah. whereas mm-hmm. your mission in Birthright are a
3: lot of what are your Birthright is Awakening basically right like a lot of it is rooted in in the kind of traditional setup of Fire Emblem the missions are you know it's it's obviously this this whole story of you know going up against a a corrupt emperor and all that right and so the missions are very simple it's like oh you know your friends are in peril up in the upper left corner of the map and so now go get to them talk to them help them out before they get killed and you Mm. lose them forever and like the outcome can be that you know someone does get killed and you never sign them up or you rescue them and they join your team yeah, yeah. but that's where the similarities I think like you have some of that but the similarities end there because what I can do when I'm getting my ass whooped in a mission I can go do some challenge modes mm-hmm. you can pay a scout to find new challenge modes on so your you map so you
1: burn gold to find can, yeah. new missions but you get more gold so yeah. you can keep doing and that and you grind
3: exactly and right. then you know you can you can choose to play a paralog uh, so you right? can
1: work on relationships
3: and you can make like, your little I, fire emblem babies you can grind a relationship relationship, right? <laughs> like, if I want uh, Korin, the main character, and Asura to hook up, for example, mm-hmm. I have them fight alongside over and over, and I go into some of the challenge missions and, like, get their little parts going, right, so, when they're yeah. next to each other, until they can get married, and, you know, they're the kids, just like an Awakening, kind of like a bold excuse for how the kids come into, into <laughs> this world, really and really,
1: we're not gonna go yeah, into that. Really yeah, it's really funny, yeah. though. No, but that's yeah. a funny part of Fire Emblem, yeah.
3: at least since Awakening,
1: they're is that like, yeah. you, <laughs> you play Matchmaker, where you're like, yeah. well, you seem like a great match for you. Let's just keep you two together working all the time. Mm -hmm. And then you know, when the relationship, they cross third base or whatever you want to call it. When they get to S-rank, they can get married and then out comes a baby eventually. And
3: in Hoshido, it's not that hard to get to that point, right? At least for your first pair of characters. Like, it gets harder, you know, pairing up others and you got to be smart about like really subbing in the right characters when you need them and and also upgrading their levels, right? So
1: in Conquest, the North side, (laughs) We
3: don't have time for love. No time. We for have love, Dr. Jones. no
1: time for, for for babies. We have no. Look, I'm 20 chapters in, in there. And you can do it. It's possible, yeah. but you have to go in with that mindset from the beginning. Yeah. Of like, okay, I want so you know Selena to hook up with Leo or something like mm-hmm. that. Because at the end of the day. Every decision I've made on that battlefield is about my survival. These objectives are not as simple as beat the boss or exit in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, it is survive 11 turns. Um, they're an endless wave of enemies you have to get out of this mission oh there's the wind and you're in a canyon and every <laughs> end of the turn if you haven't gotten your troops out of a specific spot on the map they're gonna be blown five spaces to the north <laughs> or five spaces to the south <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, I told just me some crazier stuff. There's of, like of, of, of things there's yeah. one on a boat to where I'm losing money every turn I haven't figured something out yeah there is crazy 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 complex objectives and what I like is that they're rarely repeated if at all the only thing you'll find repeated is beat this boss Yeah, Every, there seems to be a great rhythm of variety and, and of challenge and it's like this Fire Emblem just, it kicks you like straight up like Definitely. no problem like you, a drop
2: you encounter the same thing? no yeah I actually found uh, one of the maps I noticed was the same on different chapters versus Hoshido and Noor but the tables are extremely turned not only where you start, but how much you're, you're up against. Where yeah. one, it can be just like, oh, you have a, a good number of forces. Just take this boss out. The other one is just like, oh, you're severely outgunned. Yeah. And you have to take on not one, but like three different huge bosses.
1: Dude,
2: that one. Yeah. I remember that. And that's just like a total reversal. Even though they're using the kind of the same map setup, mm-hmm. yeah. it, the way you play it is so different. That's what I kind of like about like... When I first got into this Fire Emblem game, I thought, like, oh, the the different sides would be, like, Pokemon, red and blue, where you kind of get... Most of the same package, but something's changed. Yeah. But it's, it's same t- missions, but it's not. It's, it's not the same yeah. mission. And you're not just playing the other team. Not only are you everything getting a, a is totally different story yeah. on both routes. You're also getting totally different mechanics and yeah. the way that the, the the missions play out and the way
1: dragon veins work. So apparently, you guys on your birthright side, you get all the fancy dragon veins. Dragon
3: veins are these spots on the map, and certain characters can only activate them. Whoever's a dragon born can, yeah, yeah. can activate. Yeah. So um, and and you know, in, in one map, for example, you can activate a moat, and it will fill with water. So you can cut off your enemies, yeah. then you empty it to get across yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I can do that over and over. Yeah. But... So on our side, we have,
1: in most cases, one time-use Dragon yeah. Veins, which is like, thanks. <laughs> and then... Uh, but w- what they do is they basically... So there's only been a handful, and I'm in up to Chapter 20, and I want to say there's only been maybe five or six missions where I've s- I've even seen Dragon Veins. Mm-hmm. And, um, for example, the one with the wind that changes. So yeah. imagine a square map... And imagine four columns of wind, and they're either going north or south, and it's random patterns. So one could be going north while the other's going south, but they're going to blow you in different directions. If you get to a dragon vein, you can trigger them all. So that they go away, number one, and number two, so that they move the enemies out of your way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is good. But you don't control where they go. Yeah. You'll see a trail on screen that is either going north or it's going south. And when you trigger the dragon vein, you'll activate it, but your troops won't be affected. Mm-hmm. Now, if the end of the turn comes and you didn't activate it, it's going to activate it on its own. And this time it's going to blow your army around, yeah, which is just like, oh, yeah. Also, some of your
2: enemies can use it, too. The Dragon Veins.
1: Yes, but I haven't... What, you're talking about that one mission in Chapter 10, right? Don't yeah.
2: say who. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's at least a couple of instances where... So you, I've only
1: seen... That's the only one I think I've heard I've of. Seen. I've heard
2: of at least another one. Okay. Um, less later in the game. I'm forgetting that. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, Conquest almost
3: has more in common with Advanced Wars, right? Like, where you'd have, like, a, a level where there's, here's a giant laser, and if you're waiting too long, every third uh, third turn, you're going to get blasted, right? It's, like, it, it has these weird kind of environmental challenges mm-hmm. on top of the strategy gameplay. Yes. It's also yes. what I liked
2: about previous Fire Emblem games that I missed in Awakening, like uh, uh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn, where they had some really good mission objectives, like the uh, Alencia's Gambit and Radiant Dawn, mm-hmm. where you had to hold this castle with very small forces, and they just kept coming, and, like... I died so many times on that chapter. It's survival missions, yes. Yeah, yeah and the, and
3: that's
1: chapter ten in a nutshell, right? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to say what happens, but it is an unending wave of things, and you have to deal with it. And if they get to the objective point, it's game over, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's it.
4: Game over, man.
1: Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> all it is. Um, no, but I I'm really impressed with conquest. Like I did not expect at all for it to toss this much variety. And there's so many ways to invest resources like so th- we didn't make this clear but on the conquest side we're not grinding for relationships
3: like we, we, di- we you just don't don't have any option. challenges whatsoever on the map no right? it's uh, just
1: well invasions will pop up invasions so yeah. you'll have those and Very if you rarely. scan amiibo uh, you can do hero battles but hero battles won't give you experience in right. any way um but the flip side of that, so basically we have to get from point A of the campaign to point B, but without the ability to grind and replay or try side missions. Like mm-hmm. it is straight up, you're going to make it to the end, and here are all of these twisted, evil well-designed
3: like map and objective ideas
1: and you're gonna you're gonna deal with that so much more controlled
3: difficulty level in this quest and then the my castle stuff is very similar right like the yeah. buildings we can build obviously you have a slightly different tile set yeah, when you ignore right side, yeah. like on Hoshido you can pick from three different designs but not the same one that you have that's right and um, you know we can build the same things you can build like a lottery that you can between turns you can always go check and see if you want something you have the arena where you can battle a prison where you can you know Abducted Prisoners oh, so, can join your so army. So those are hilarious. Have yeah. you done
1: anything with that yet? The prisons? No, so, I, got, I got someone on my side. Yeah, so you can, so an archer I've will have in, the ability I've been to, to, to capture. Oh, you went to my prison? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, you, so you can use an ar- archer to capture an enemy from the other side. So I've actually captured two Hoshido members um, in separate events, not like at the same time. But what's funny is then they're they're in your prison, and you have two, three options. You can either bribe him, and you Mm -hmm. need to use certain resources that you have. Now, the resources come from either your castle. You grow two resources per castle that you you own, and you only own one castle. So my castle, uh, my North Castle, we produce milk, and we produce Emeralds. What is what is your Hoshido castle? I
3: forget what the unique thing is. I just went to yours and got milk and emeralds too. <laughs> uh, what, you don't know what you got. We've, you got, got peaches coral, or something. We, we've got coral. We've got coral. We've got peaches. We've got. Uh, we've okay, got a so it's usually things, yeah. a food and, 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 and there's a, and, fish and, and, and rice element. and all those things. Yeah, they, minimum, those are other ones. Yeah. What is
2: yours? Yeah, I got uh, emeralds and wheat.
1: Okay, so mm-hmm. these resources. First of all, the way you get uh, the types that you don't grow is that you go online and you visit other people's castles. So in my castle, for example, we don't have peaches, we don't have fish, we don't have coral, we don't have. Uh, there's a, a laundry list yep. of things that you can get. But you go to other castles, you it's you, very you animal basically crossing, grab yeah. it. Yeah, very animal crossing town. You bring it back. But going back to prison, you can bribe him with resources and you have to have the amount he wants, and then he'll be like, sure, I'll join your army. Or you can persuade. Now, the persuasion is changes depending on who the person is who's on guard duty that night mm-hmm. so one night it was uh, what's her name mozu
2: mozu yeah vill- which is villager? A, char-
1: a, a villager character who you pick up won't go into specifics oh but you got she, you she got she's that one, too? short diminutive yeah we Traitor. there are some characters that we both get but we sh- we definitely yeah. don't want to go too far into it but she's like this short weak like she's she's a lot like Donald. Donal. Yeah. yeah very much like Donald. this game's Donald. but she's on she's on guard duty and i'm just like Is she gonna be able to persuade him? Like, I don't know. So I send her in and she's like, This is gonna be scary. And then she goes in and you just hear her shout, something falls. And then she walks out and he's like, Yeah, sure, I'll sign up. Yeah, why not? But then another time, someone else was on guard duty. And I tried the same thing, and it failed. Yeah. He's like, I will not join. And you're just like, nah. like yeah. this
4: sucks. I
2: love the same thing with, uh, with cooking, too. Uh, Talk about that. So uh, every time you can build a, uh, like a, mess, hall. a mess hall, and <clears throat> every time you go, there'll be someone else uh, on, on cooking duty. And they'll go like, oh, you want to give me one of the resources you have? I'll make food for half of your army. Um, and so depending on what you have, it can be a different stat boost. Like, if you get the meat, it's plus strength. Or the wheat, it's plus mm-hmm. defense. And then uh, they'll all cook it with their own personal flair. And then so if you get, like, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's like Selena. She has, like, a prickly flair. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, okay, hang on. And then you see her run in the back. And then there's, like, these crashing noises and her, like, screaming, like, uh, attack sounds. Huh? And then she comes back <laughs> in. And she's like, okay, here it is. You better eat it fast. And it's just like, oh, she made, like, the, uh, the, pr- the prickly, like, pear soup. And then because she has that flair, it gives an additional bonus but it's d- different depending on who makes it. So she might give, like, uh, a plus strength to all people who are, like, nor based yeah. mm. Someone else might do... Uh plus defense to uh, all women or something like that yeah you know? and so, so you encourage you to go back try and try do things and you have to make a de- you have to make a decision right
3: like you you have a character that you can feed every round uh, to increase um, her stats in the in the town as well and so you have to make a decision do i what do i use my rice for what do i use my fish for that's do right. you want to cook it do you want to bribe people do you want to feed yeah. right like what do you <laughs> even
1: feed lilith who is sort of yeah, your, your spirit yeah that's what i meant lilith, yeah. yeah yeah there's a there's mm-hmm. this character that is your spirit animal for your castle yep. and whenever you you feed her, she increases in level. Yeah. And uh, basically, if you get invaded via Street Pass or online, she will be part of your defense. Yep. So you want to work on certain stats for her. My mm. one disappointment is she doesn't change. Like I, I wish the same, there yeah. was a, a Tamagotchi-like uh-huh. visual like appearance to it or even like the mags in Fantasy Star Online. It oh, was so man. cool.
2: To, like, oh, that would be so cool.
1: Yeah, th- that's where I feel like when you have these investment options, when you're able to really see a benefit from it, something that's visual... Mm-hmm that tells a better story than something that's just statistical. Well,
3: Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, right? the My Castle stuff is, it's cool it's there. It's a little underdeveloped. It's like a little Nothing, nothing yeah. is special. I mean, there's the, the My, MySpace, like when you invite somebody and you build a relationship, right? Japanese version was a face robbing. US version, it's like you pick somebody from a list and then they have the conversation, just like mm-hmm. in the Japanese version, without that interaction, except for sometimes the character can fall asleep. So you still do the touching the face to wake them up and stuff. So yeah. they, they have that still built in, but it's still... You know, whether it's a Japanese version or the American one, it's very underdeveloped. Yeah. It's very digital you yeah. know, in a way. Yeah, you know? and I
1: feel like <clears throat> even the way you're meant to explore into other people's castles. So you go to, there's this crystal ball, and you can update your own data. So people who have visited you, you'll get dragon vein points for that. You need dragon vein points in order to build different structures in the game. So if you're going to make the mess hall, the prison, I'm not sure if we said that, but I'm just, I want to spell mm-hmm. it out for people. And you get dragon vein points in two ways either by winning battles, mm-hmm. uh, in either campaign, doesn't matter,
4: mm-hmm. or
1: visit someone else's place and you'll get something. Mm-hmm. You won't get a full point, you get a full point usually at the end of a battle, yep. but you'll get a little bit. So it incentivizes you on top of trying to get you know, a food item and a mat- raw material, you're mm-hmm. also getting some dragon vein points, which at the end of the day is just gonna make your castle stronger. Yep. So if you try to invade Oteraville, do you know what we have waiting for you? (laughs) We have a dragon statue that takes 10% of your health away every turn. I got that. We have a golem. We have two golems. I don't have a golem. Who... Come out of the ground, they're level two, they will wreck you like nobody's <laughs> business. Um, no, I'm, I'm just talking smack. We have a lot of we right? put a lot of pride into okay. into our team. I kingdom. do like
2: that the different buildings actually give your team buffs until people break them down when they're fighting. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. it's
1: always disappointing to watch. So no matter how many times it happens, I kind of shed a tear every time they <laughs> destroy my mess hall. It doesn't stick something. around though. No, I mean it's <laughs>
3: obviously not permanent damage to your team No, yeah, you don't it it's just for it's the battle, but it's to watch. still, it's still yeah. painful when they walk in, they're like smack, 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 and they
2: are like, no. Destroy everything. No, yeah. that's that cool. I gotta ask, what do you think about the changes to uh, the dual guarding and like the double attacks? Because hmm. I, I'm really, yeah, what you think? What? I'm really digging like uh, how they've changed from Awakening, where now it's not just about pairing up and leaving it at that. Where not only can your enemy pair up, but now if you pair up, you can't double attack if you have someone with you, but you have to have someone next to you mm. and be by yourself, and then you'll both be able to do an attack yeah, one yeah, after yeah. another. So yeah. if you pair up, you're saying that you're not automatically given two
3: for one in some cases. Yeah,
2: you get yeah. the stat boost by, by yeah. pairing up. Yeah, that's all uh, you which, get. Which makes you really powerful, but that's then like if, crucial, if you go... That yeah. you
3: look at the numbers when you're pairing up different units, yeah.
2: yeah. There's so much give and take that's so nice, and then like if you go against two people who are side-by-side side attacking your, uh, your pair up, their second attack will always be blocked. yeah. But if you're side-by-side, side, you get that dual attack if someone else is side-by-side. Yeah. Side. Yeah. And so there's so many points where I'm like, okay, everyone just go in in a line. And, like, I'll have someone go, okay, don't attack, just go next to him. Yeah. So that way I could come up and then do, then do a dual no, attack. No, yeah, yeah, no. And then you um, get overwhelmed, like, okay... Come on, come on in. And then you yeah. just have like this giant wall.
1: Well, so far the best part um, of, so this game is all about decisions and mm-hmm. it, is, it does not change whether you're at my castle or at the battlefield. I feel like the my castle stuff's a little shallow, but ultimately it works, right? But it's, like, it's, an, interesting like it. it's an interesting point of repose, way. right? Yeah, Be- yeah, Between
3: battles. So but, it works, yeah. But
1: but in battle, like I'm doing exactly what Brendan's saying, where like there was this one mission where there is a type of enemy who is an illusion, and what that means is that no matter how close I get to it, I cannot do damage to it unless it takes a swing at me first. And so it's kind of like, it, I, I, I think I described it to Pear as like that kid in kindergarten who like puts his hand out and he's like an inch, less than an Teacher. inch away from your arm. And he's like, but I'm not touching you, but I'm not touching you. It is that. And the worst part, the, the thing that was infuriating. In a good way, was that he can break through my line of, of, of soldiers, whereas like other enemies, like I can sort of keep them contained and therefore keep the, the you know, the squishies, the, uh-huh. the, the, the weaker uh, members of my team away from danger. These guys just charge right through like oh. nobody's business. And, and because you can't touch them until they finally attack and so so they can go through your unit they did (laughs) oh my lord and I lost two people so I got a body count (laughs) in, in, in conquest I've lost three folks so far and I have kept going I well, well, do and that. I have kept going. There has been potentially like eight losses probably, but restarts to the rescue, right? It, like that's what we had to do.
3: L, R plus start. Yeah. Resets due to the title screen. You just, I keep doing it over yeah. and over. I've I played one mission where... I got killed 15 times when, when I lost a team member and I got kept on resetting and trying it again different ways it teaches you so much about strategy to do yeah, that yeah. right but like I can I can tell you were like you know what you Some really people <laughs> just need to be left behind. You're like I, you were ready to dude, move. Dude, I was like I didn't like you anyway. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. we're you like okay. to be aware of what everyone's doing on the map. Like well, I'm I also on a review. Yeah, I mean I had to uh, <laughs> I got to a part where I was opening a locked door mm-hmm. and behind it was like a like a, a healer type person and a bunch of like samurai who were all like uh, paired up. And so I'm like okay, well, I will have my thief open the door mm-hmm. and then my big tank person will go in front. The next turn, the healer has a uh, summon staff, summons my thief right into the middle of everything. He says, have fun, and just get slaughtered.
1: Wow! Yeah, I've seen. I'm I've just seen like, that. There's a summoner class you? or or ninjas uh, on the Hoshido side. I, you can your people can do this. Yeah, uh, they I I have a I have an attack yeah, where they have a can pull staff. you. Pull one of your guys away from the group, and so what you would have is the an attack would happen to team. a weaker yeah. enemy to one to a weaker like uh, member of my team. He would get pulled to a certain tile. Then someone else would move up. Pull that person to another tile, and so you'd have like this L-shaped like trail, it's like this of, checkers trail. Yeah, of oh, my guy just getting dragged to the other side of the field. <laughs> I'm like, no, come back,
4: come back.
1: Um, He's last, dead, Jim. Awesome. Mm-hmm. last thing I want to talk about is is just that even um, you and I had a moment this week because I was capturing for the review and I was fighting against Marth, <laughs> and and you were in the room. Do you remember this? Yeah. And, and it was uh, it was one of those like so. When you swipe your Amiibo for the first time, Mm -hmm. the first thing they do... And I don't think this is spoiler-ish.
2: We showed it on the... in December, we okay. did a video with Alan.
1: they come with a gift? Yeah. Um, and they come with a gift a few times, and then they want you to prove yourself on the battlefield. And before it's usually join your team.
3: it's usually a little thing that you can give to other characters, right? Yeah, it's Like it's you get Mars trink- tiara accessory. or something accessories, right? Yeah. Which and, and uh, it improves the relationship pass. between characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, that and it works within uh, like battles against other armies, like street pass or right. spot pass or wirelessly. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in with that, but uh, <laughs> a Mars battle. He can kill one of my characters. My main character, I mean, whatever. He can kill my main character in one hit. He has a natural advantage against, I guess, dragons or against Corrin or I don't know what it is. You don't like my protagonist? You got a problem. Does he have a
3: little exclamation mark it when you click
1: did. on him? Yeah, it protagonist did. And he, killer. And he dropped my poor Corrin like eight times. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm playing through campaign and I'd finish a mission, challenge Marth, lose go on to the next campaign mission, like start over, go on to the next campaign mission because once Corrin dies, it's game over. This happened eight times over the course of like two days. Yeah. And then you walked in the room while I'm doing capture and we're just like, ah, just go with it. And it came down to the last decision and I beat him on a 52, 53% attack chance. Yeah. When he had like one sliver of health left and had... Corrin missed. It was over. That like, is, it was done. We were screaming. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that is the
3: worst thing when you have a powerful enemy mm-hmm. and like you have one unit left who can move. You go in and you're going in for the kill, and it's, going <laughs> brrr, it's like when your entire strategy is on that one thing and then, working. And then you miss, and you're sitting there, you're like, "Well, crap." And your your like, <laughs> you <the> car <laughs> just falls. Know, you know
1: what hurts more? And this is not a. Bi- we're not describing this as a bad thing. We're we're talking about how just how much it gets you sort of. Right so brutal. You, yeah, you're just crossing your fingers that it's going to work out. But, um, oh, man, like I just – I could not believe um, that that it worked. Like I, I, I still don't believe that it worked and that we got him. But on the flip side, when I have 95% attack chance and it's a miss, oh, oh boy, <laughs> That's like just, the worst. You don't want to be near me when that happens. Like yeah. I was like,
4: no.
3: And that's if you've never played Fire Emblem before, you probably you probably turned this off already. But it, um, you know you got to be real. There's a weapons triangle, right? Like an axe is. Uh, is powerful against a spear you know axe can chop through that wood right away mm-hmm. you know sword is strong against an axe and so you gotta be careful and plan your attacks and when you're selecting an enemy to attack you can see the the hit rate like the chance of a hit you can see how many times you can attack and sometimes switching the weapon there are certain swords for example that prevent the enemy from having a follow up attack mm-hmm. and or so attacking you gotta, from a certain angle you gotta really pay attention to it the, the game does not do that for you it doesn't automatically pick the best weapon for the attack you gotta say you gotta go through your weapons go like oh yeah this yeah. one is gonna do yeah, it and
1: you also have to check who's close to you because yep. in some cases you may have a better affinity slash relationship mm-hmm. with another person who you can access it makes a huge that's difference one if you have an A, a
3: rank uh, um, person next to you that's oh, one right.
2: thing I actually realized that they didn't uh, tell you explicitly is that if you are starting a battle against someone and you have someone on either side of you you can press R to switch who you want your secondary yeah, person to be yeah. and that can make a huge difference uh, yeah, yeah. if you have like a healer who won't attack with you versus the sword fighter who will no that's, that's no. a big. really good tip yeah. because i think a lot of people don't realize that you yeah. know that you, you hope
1: well, and I accidentally right trigger person. it a yeah, yeah, lot. And yeah. I'm like, wait, I, I should have checked. Like, Xander's right there. Like, why didn't I check if I – because I know I have a better relationship with him. And I'd kick myself about it I'd be like, oh, I
4: yeah. can't believe
3: this. And that's – you know, the danger with this game, though, is that – you know like you'll quickly get favorites in your team right like uh, i you know you have when you get your first archer you're like i'm bringing the archer wherever i'm going right like and that will become a powerful character no doubt but there are others where you have to make a choice and you have to make a decision which healer do i, do I like better you know what will, and you don't know at the first in on first playthrough what you know, how they will evolve over time and how powerful they really are and what the next classes are if you haven't played a, a Fire Emblem game before. Mm-hmm. And it's just really fun figuring that out yeah. and, or even and developing, a, like, a bond with the, the kind of team you assemble, I think. Well, in the
1: support conversations, are still as goofy as ever. And I think they highlight, like, very stuff. funny personality quirks between each member of the army. I think that's cool. I also think it's kind of a guessing game, at least for me, when to pull a Master Seal. and evolve a class. So I told you I pulled the trigger on Corrin really early in the campaign, and you were telling me I should have probably waited because I could have gotten a few more uh, you know, sort of stat points out of maybe five more levels of play. Um, I haven't regretted it yet, and it's mostly because I have a great relationship with two other warrior class members of the team. And so what I find myself doing with, with that character now is just trying to set up situations where I have one of them nearby, they pull a distance attack, and then I come in between them and the enemy and just take them out.
3: Yeah, and that may be different with, with the Noir um, because you don't have the ability to grind, right? It's finite, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and with when you play as a though, you want to bring up your characters a little bit more. You go to, like, level 15 or whatever so that when you upgrade to the next class, you get a much, much more powerful character in the end, right? Yeah. Like, the longer you wait, it's <laughs> like Pokemon, Right, yeah. like I mean, mm-hmm. with the evolution, it's very similar yeah. to that. Um, but at the same some time, people it's have still it very to different. Science, but yeah. it's, a, you know, it's it's a decision making process every time because you get the immediate benefit of a more powerful um, class. You know, when you change, and by the way, you can have you can still use seals to create to take on uh, different classes, switch classes laterally, yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. there there are so the many relationships. Yeah, there's yeah. so many options, and I I think it's cool that. You can play the game casually and just kind of stay with the character's given path and not change. Or you can say, well, you know, I don't need this character to be able to sing. I want an archer. Or, like, you can really change up the game. Yep. Um, it's so good. Yeah. And yeah. I'm having so much fun with it. And, you know, as you know, every time a Fire Emblem game comes out, um, I hurt my back.
4: <laughs> oh, is <laughs> that a thing? Yeah, yeah. like there's this. just
3: something about the the DS or the 3DS where, like, I may be sitting too hunched over or something. Like, it's the exact same thing happened. I told mm-hmm. you, I went to a chiropractor once, and the guy said, uh, "Do you do anything special? Did you?" I'm like, "Well, I'm playing this game." He's like, "Ah," oh. and then, you know,
1: like I, I have it again. See, my new problem is that ever since I uh, I broke my elbow, and it's still in recovery, and I, you know, I have yeah. a better range of motion, but now. The problem is if I play like laying down on my back, mm-hmm. my elbow, my my arm falls asleep. Er, my right arm only every time. This is a weird thing. Oh, I got that. And it's too. freaking I got me everything. <laughs> that never happened before. <laughs> yeah. Before before this happens, like age, I was man. fine. Don't We're say that. Old, it's not true. It's not
3: true. Um, but not too old to play this game. No, not. Which is by not. the way, um, you know, like the first time you put on headphones with this game and you hear the music, like not out of the tinny little speaker, mm-hmm. it's quite an experience. I mean, it's it. The music is beautiful and the, the samples are really good. There's yeah. a map that is all silent except for the this clash of thunder that you hear and it just sounds really good nice. through a heads- yeah, headphone. Yeah, yeah. So if you've got some good headphones, definitely um, listen to what this game sounds like.
1: Yeah, and we promise not to spoil the story, but mm-hmm. I will say they paint a very convincing argument for both sides. I'm very satisfied with where our, this campaign is going so far. Yeah, uh, And I think that like it's especially comes down to like just really good character writing, really cool yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. Like I know that there's a lot of hate over some of the localization decisions in Fire Emblem Fates, but I have to tell you, like the haters on this are kind of wrong. Like the localization job that was done here is really, really top notch, and there are some great characters as a result of it.
3: I think so too. I think the writing, the writing is good, right? It's it's tough to compare one for one, like what was changed to. Uh, and, and is worse in the U.S. version. Like, uh, so far, you know, the characters are, are very funny, very distinct. I mm-hmm. mean, they yep. definitely, it's almost like they had different people writing different characters. Like, mm-hmm. they have distinct personalities and voice, not voice acting, but voice and text. Um, the voice acting, you know, some of the characters sound great. Um, yeah. There are a couple, you know, There's you, a couple, you know like the they're... ones, right? Yeah, the maid. Yeah, oh, the maid she is, it's her her. not that she that her delivery is is that bad it's just kind of like it, it's not a it's not it loses its charm the character's not as charming and there, there are others where you know I played the Japanese version so I was very used to the persona and like you know one character's really cute but she sounds much harder edge in the US version Rinko, right like yeah. and I was like oh that's kind of weird you know <laughs> and and but if you'd never played the game before, I, I think it probably does not feel odd and, yeah. and, and is pretty successful sure yeah, but um, no voice acting's pretty good couple couple of misses. Um, the Japanese version um, I did like it better. I thought the voices the Japanese are just so good at, mm. at it, especially this franchise and this genre it was always strong yeah. Um, but um, you know it's a bummer the Japanese audio is not in there with Awakening. You could yeah. switch. I, yeah. I this one they ran also, out of space.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. disappointed that this one doesn't have the Japanese audio, and I completely sympathize with anyone who's really turned off about that. That yeah. is one decision I'll say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's you true. You have every right to kind of be disappointed. To be yeah. disappointed about it. it's not kind and, of you are.
3: And we we are um, playing the collector's edition where all three versions are on the same card. Yeah. So Revelations
1: and, we have not. No one here has played Revelations, and that is the decision in the campaign. To to choose n- neither side of the yeah. conflict neither hoshido settle and smash yeah no nor no it's not that <laughs> one uh, um and or nor but um i will say that anyone who managed to find that special edition cuz at least here in the us it's very hard to 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 track one down you're getting revelation early like you were getting it uh, couple a couple months. weeks early yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: it's yeah it's 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 pretty amazing. I mean, like, when I first heard about the decision to split these storylines, like, my immediate reaction was, yes, you can play the other side, which just means it's the same board, but your characters are the other characters that you're usually fighting in each mission, mm-hmm. right? Like, in hindsight, it doesn't really make sense because they're generic enemies that you fight that would never no, be part and, of your group. And we both but learned that the campaign structures are just
1: so different. It's yeah,
3: completely different. It's, I do think, like, if you are... Unless you're an expert player, I would definitely start with the Hoshido side first. It's birthright. Um Holla. Yeah, because it is, you know, it teaches you the basics of the upgrades and, like, you you can take a little bit more time with mm-hmm. it and grind. Mm-hmm. And then you get the master quest and Common then quest presumably is, is, the third one.
2: It's definitely the, uh, I've played a lot of Fire Emblems path to take. Yeah. And then Revelation is kind of like that. I want to see where this goes from here. Because yeah. uh, you you're gonna get the best of both worlds in Revelations, I think. Yep.
1: Um, yeah, but no, and, and Revelations, You, if you did get the special edition, they do warn you not to start with that one just because yep. it, it is, apparently it's meant to, for Revelations to be the third chapter and it to is be something that you experience after one or the other, and the, Birthright and or Conquest.
3: And the game is good about it, like you can start from the pivotal ch- chapter where you choose your side, mm-hmm. so you, know, you don't have to replay the missions before that like I was a little worried about that and made a save just you know so that next yeah. time yeah. I play I go into it. By the way, did,
2: did you notice the bonuses you get when you have all yeah. three versions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are some nice bonuses. Considering like in. Pokemon where you only have one save file, yeah. you get three oh, yeah, save you files. You get lots of saves. You get three sa- save files per path. So if you get the specialist you have nine save but files. But and save eight
1: the... local like save data too. Like you, if you were to lend someone your cartridge, they only see the first
3: three slots and mm-hmm. then the additional ones yep. are created. Which is really cool. I mean, I'm I'm happy that They thought about all these things and that seems to be the theme with this game. It's like, there not has not a lot like I'm playing the game? I'm like I don't know what I could ask for. I mean, mm-hmm. like I you know, the from way. the presentation, it has beautiful hand drawn art, great characters. Then it has beautifully animated, like the two D live portraits it has beautiful animation there. Great sound, for really great missions, lots of challenging to, stuff. Oh man, oh. You know, yeah, all the transitions, yeah, love that
2: stuff. You could argue that feet. you know <laughs> they got
3: feet. Like when yeah, they have feet uh, <laughs> when they when um, Fire Emblem first came to the Super NES yeah, so or the Super Famicom, right? Like they. Increased Included the original story uh, quest and then a new one. So you basically got two stories for the price of one. And that's obviously not the case here, uh, but it's also not recycled. These are all new that have never before uh, been released. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I think they did
1: a good job of of justifying it. Like I remember when we first heard this pricing structure and, you know, you're going to pay this much for one campaign and then if you want the next one, it's 20 bucks. We were all very skeptical about how they were going to justify that. And I feel like playing through Conquest I and, and talking to you every day where I'd be like so pair, I just did this mission where X, Y, and Z happened and you'd be like oh my god my missions are completely different and yeah. then you tell me
3: what you did and I'd be like what? Yeah I was expecting much more like on the similarity front mm-hmm. um, but even when the maps are the same right obviously in uh, on the Hoshido side they recycle maps for the challenges too right like you go back to certain maps and then the enemies are kind of reshuffled and you fight differ- them differently but like it's, it's different like what happens yeah on those maps is yeah. very different
1: alright well that's enough Fire Emblem for today uh, we probably will never talk about this game again uh, at uh, least in no, this no I don't depth. think you're that lucky <laughs> yeah right no <laughs> you're right uh, we will eventually I guess come back to Revelations yeah.
2: uh, is it Revelations or Revelation? Revelation yeah.
1: Revelation uh, we'll have a Revelation when uh, we get some time look for the review on IGN next week it's gonna be cool we will have two up next week and, and a look third guy.
2: guide e- oh, you're working on the guide aren't yeah. you Brendan's also working on the guide. Massive undertaking. Good Good luck.
1: Yeah, that's a huge task, so make sure you check that out. Uh, Thank you for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. Of course, you know where to find us, right here at IGN.com. We've got videos, we've got stories, we've got other shows for you. You can find us on Twitter. You can find Brendan Graber at... At Raga underscore Fraga. You can find Peer Schneider at... Peer IGN. And you can find myself, Jose underscore Otero, on Twitter. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat.